everything was good until this virus thing hit. And that's when it woke me up to say, okay, let's step back, Chan. Let's take care of a few things that we need to take care of in the business so that when stuff like this happens, we're prepared for it. It, it gave me that rude awakening of, man, my business could have disappeared if we were out of work for another month. It would have just shut down just like that. It refired, it reignited some things that I need to correct in the business. And where's that fire now? Where are you directing it? Oh, man, I'm waking up every day. It's like my energy and my fire is like when I first started the business, as hungry as I was when I started the business. This is Built by You, a podcast by Jobber, where business owners share how they stay focused when entrepreneurship gets real. I'm Nick Keiko, and today I'm talking to Chant Singvangsa, the definition of a serial entrepreneur. Chant started his first business, offering lawn maintenance services out of necessity. He bought his first home, he needed a mower, and he needed a way to pay it off. After that, the entrepreneurial fire was lit within him, and he's since started multiple businesses. Landscaping, photography, a laundromat, phone repair, embroidery, and even a bait shop. He has that natural ability to see an opportunity in a problem that's probably felt by many others who are willing to pay for a solution. Today, from his home base in Jackson, Minnesota, he's reaching local customers through Singvangsa Landscaping and the Daily Hustle Photography, a national market with the Daily Hustle Embroidery Shop, and an international community with his Chance Daily Hustle content on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, inspiring tens of thousands of people to push past obstacles in order to achieve their goals. But there's so much more to Chant's story than just this list. Today, on Built by You, meet Chant Singvangsa. So, going back as a kid, like what, what was the plan when you grew up? What did you want to be? Man, growing up as a kid, I don't think I had a plan. I was just enjoying life. And I, I, wasn't, I wasn't good at uh, school. I, I didn't really know what I wanted to be growing up, to be honest. I dropped out actually in 12th grade. I dropped out just to work because I, I wanted to work and make money. Growing up, we didn't have much. We were on welfare most of our life. And so once I had the opportunity to work, I said, I'm going to work. And, and so you go straight, drop out of high school, straight into the working world. In mm-hmm. the couple of years leading up to your business, what kind of jobs were you doing? I started out dishwashing at a restaurant and then worked my way up to be a cook. In, a rest, in that same restaurant. And then I worked as a line in production in a turkey, turkey factory, hatchery, you know, debeaking turkeys and stuff and all this dirty. It was a dirty job, but I did it. I worked my way up on there, had the opportunity to move to Fairboat, Minnesota to uh, continue the turkey industry. So I was given a farm to be a manager and raise 32,000 turkeys. And they gave us a farm and I was making decent money. There was a house and Amy was going to college. And yeah, just raising turkeys for three, four years there. And then did you get it? You got into some part-time work where I think that's where you met Roger, the your mentor. Yep. Maybe tell me about like what that part-time job was and, and how it led to him becoming your mentor. I moved down back down to Jackson where we're originally from, Amy and I. And so we came back down here, and that's where we worked in the medical factory in Jackson here. I got in trouble with the law. You know, I I had a bad drinking habit, and that's when I had to go to treatment. 
outpatient treatment. And that's where I met Roger at a treatment picnic. And so this old man just comes, you know, approaches me. And, and so he goes, hey, you want a job? And I said, sure, I've got my full-time job, which was that medical uh, factory job. I said, sure, you know, I ain't doing nothing else. I'm not drinking. I don't have many friends. I'd rather make money. So every day after I got done working on my factory job, I would go out and work with him till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and then we restart my day. So Monday through Sunday, I was doing that. What kind of, what kind of business did Roger have? Roger had a railing, custom railing business, iron business. He did all the welding and I did all the uh, scrubbing of the oil and the dirty work, a lot of the dirty work, but I didn't care. You know, I was out there having, enjoying being sober and clean and a new life. I was just out there doing the basics. And then he taught me how to weld. He taught me how to pick up tools and the business side of it. That's where he pushed me mm-hmm. is he took me to an entrepreneurship convention. And I didn't know what it was, but I went, it, it was a winter night. We drove to 30 miles to this convention and he takes me there and he didn't tell me how to dress, right? He didn't, he didn't tell me how to dress or prepare for this thing. He just, he just wanted to see, I think at that time, how I was going to react because mm-hmm. I was very uncomfortable with myself at that time. And so he takes me there. And I go in there. I've got my baggy pants, right? I got my baggy pants. I got my white T-shirt on. And here I walk in a room with everybody wearing suits. And I just felt, I felt out of place, you know. But Roger really didn't care. Roger just wanted me to experience what it, what all, get connected with people and network with people. And so he took me there and introduced me. He's shaking hands with everybody and talking to everybody. And that was it, you know. I said, man, I want to be like those people. Everybody's connecting, everybody's talking, and that was it. And at that time, did you did you view him as a mentor? No, no, I really didn't. I, I took it as he was my boss. But when I look back at it, I think he did prepare me for what was to come. And And you're still connected with him today? Yes, yep, we're still connected, yeah. That's mm-hmm. great. So let's fast forward a little bit. It's 2008. You get the idea to start your own business. Where did that idea come from? And and then how did you take it from idea to reality? We bought our first home. Well, with the first home, there comes maintenance. So then I needed a lawnmower. We were bootstrapping it and our belt was tight. And we had house payments and all these bills now that come with the house. I couldn't afford a a lawnmower. I went to Sears. And the Craftsman mower was, I think, $250, $275. It was a 21-inch push mower with a bag air system. I said, I'm going to take a card out. So I applied for the Sears card, and they gave me about $300, $400 bucks for the credit line. And so I did that. And I was making like 30 bucks payment or whatever. It wasn't much. But it was a lot at that time because we just bought a house, and I, I couldn't have any more expense. We brought the mower home, and I said, okay, how am I going to pay for this? So I got creative and went around the neighborhood and started knocking on the doors. And I think out of 25 um, houses, I got one old, one elderly guy. I, I was asking them, you you know, you guys need service for lawn mowing or who's taking care of your mowing and your maintenance? And I'd like to be your provider. I, you know, I pitched him that, and next thing you know, I got one guy that I got sold on. 
that I think I was making mowing his lawn for $30 a week. It was just for the mower, mm-hmm. you know, to pay for the mower. That one person convinced me that if I can sell one person at 30 bucks per week, I'm thinking how many more people can I get on board to make $30. So that's when the mind just started going. So you were hooked. You got that you landed that first deal yep. out of your comfort zone and then you yep. the brain started going. Yep, the brain started going. I said, "Okay, even though out of 25 one, if I do another 25, there's another one, you know. I kept getting rejected. It was uncomfortable feeling, but I knew that out of 25, one will come. That's awesome. You know? And then today today you're known for landscaping in addition to lawn care. Cool. When did landscaping come into the picture? Landscaping came into the picture when the accounts that we had for mowing, they wanted landscaping work done. I had one request for like a 10 by 10 patio, and I didn't know how to do it, but we had a house, right? I said, okay, let me practice on on our house. So you said yes. Somebody asked you to build a patio. I just said yes. (laughs) Yeah, I just said yes because I knew that it's just 10 by 10. There's no messing up the patio, right? Mm -hmm. So I go to Menards. Well, Menards has these pamphlets or whatever, how-to. At that time, there was no YouTube, much YouTube or anything like that online. So I go to Menards, look at the pamphlet, and there's instructions, basic instructions. And I'd buy the material and come home, and we did a patio. We did a yeah, ten, like a 10 by 10 patio at our house. It wasn't the best, but, you know, I, it worked. And then, and then as we progress, the more... I did it, the better I got. And and so at this point, you're still in your first season. Are you still working at the factory or with Roger or any of the other part-time jobs? Yeah, I was working at full-time job and I was still working at Roger's and I was doing my landscaping lawn care on the side. Okay, that was 2007 to 2008. Okay. So by 2009, I jumped in. I just literally quit um, our full-time job and was that an easy decision or was that scary at all? No, that was scary because um, I, I knew what I was going to get every week and the money was going to come in. And so when I made that jump, the first night I lost sleep. I, I couldn't sleep. You know, you think about, okay, what if I fail? What if all this doesn't work? I literally took out my 401k from the full-time job that I had and I said, I'm just going to run with it. I said, if I fail, I can always go back to working for them, you know. I told Roger, I go, I, I've got a dream. I've got a goal that I want to do. I said, I really want to start this lawn care full time. And he goes, go for it. He goes, don't worry about me. I'll be okay. He goes, if you want to do what you want to do and you pursue it, just do it, child. I, I understand. You work for somebody that has helped you, mm-hmm. you know, get you up on your feet. And then it's like, you have to go, you have to get to the point where, I've got to really, I got to move on. But at the same time, I felt bad for Roger. You know, he he's helped me quite a bit, and uh, I just had different dreams. Man, I I love Roger. I never met the guy, but he sounds mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's days that we, I would go out to work, and I'm thinking I'm gonna have to just scrub those metals of grease and stuff, you know. And just by the time I came home, I was dirty, right? But there was days that he says, "Okay, we're gonna work in the garden." You're going to help uh, Caroline. That was his wife. I was like, you're going to pay me t- to like pick apples, harvest carrots, and do like just do the f- stuff that I really enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And so he, yeah, 
I didn't understand that part of a guy paying me just to have me out there doing what I like doing. So at this point, it's 2009, you've jumped in, you've taken out your 401k, you're working by yourself. So work was coming in, like how did, how did you get new yeah. business at this time? We had enough accounts to make as much as I did in the full-time job. That's, that's why I made the jump. I knew that there was enough mowing to pay the bills. And I had to get creative after I made that full jump to, okay, what happens if mowing dries out? What, where's the income coming from? And so that's where I had to learn how to upsell, like trim the bushes or little small patio jobs. So I had to learn new skills quickly and provide those service, add those service in. One thing we want to explore with this podcast is how both success and failure are challenging in their own right. What was a challenge you had in the first year, even though it sounds like on the surface, everything was great with, with the new work coming in? I think the growth, like we had work, but I was struggling to get help. I didn't know which direction to go, I think, with getting help because there was so much stuff behind the scenes of tax and works comp and all these things that came with hiring help. And so I finally got an accountant and it clicked. Like, okay, if I get a person that's better at doing what I do and know more and just pay him to do that, then I can grow my business a little bit. And the pricing structure was a problem too. I was all over the place, you know, from... And how were you deciding how to price back then? What I did when I first started, I was doing it by the hour. So I left my full-time job at 13 bucks an hour, right? And I said, okay, if I'm making 15, 16 bucks an hour doing what I love, I'm making a little bit more, but I didn't realize there was tax, right? Tax, fuel, and all these stuff that came with it. And so I learned quick, I wasn't making money doing the 15, 16 bucks an hour by myself running a business. And so um, slowly I had to restructure. What does that restructure look like early on? Really looking at the numbers, looking at, okay, if a block costs five bucks, I got to upcharge that block a little bit. If I'm going to go pick up the blocks, I got to add that fuel or the truck expense and all these little expense. I just, I had to throw in there. And then we did bids, you know, we gave people or customers or clients like a number, you know, instead of doing the, I don't, doing the uh, material and time, right? We did right. bids. Right. So we had to profit something. And, and, and how big is, is the business today? How many employees? Amy's joined us now. We have five. At one time, we had like up to 10. We seem to be at the five and 10 mark. And what's the difference between running a five-person business and running a 10-person business? <laughs> the difference is, uh, to me personally, 10-person uh, is I got to keep up. It's, it's almost like you got to feed the fuel, right? You got to keep feeding it because you got the more employees you got, the more payroll, the more expense. Uh, you just got to keep feeding it. With five, it's a little bit more relaxed. Not that I sit around, but I can handle it a little bit more. The more people we have, the more income we make, but then the, then we have more expense. Now we're looking at it as a, where's our bottom line? So you found a, you found a pretty good sweet spot for the business there, it sounds like. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean that I'd like to not grow. I'd love to. If I could grow this to 100 people, I'd take mm -hmm. it to 100 people. 
what's standing in your way? What's the biggest challenge that you see between getting from five to, to that 100? Right now with the mowing and lawn care, it's the population of our town. We live in a 3,200 uh, in population, very small town. So we're limited, right? We, we're max capped out. But uh, on the other side, the embroidery business, it's a whole different story because we don't depend on the town. We get online orders and stuff like that. You mentioned the embroidery business, and I think now's a good time to address all the other businesses you started after your lawn care, you know, longer okay. business, like phone repair, laundromat, bait shop, right. daily hustle. How did all those businesses come to be? Jumping in quick here. Remember how I said a switch flipped in Chant and he became a serial entrepreneur? We're about to run through the many business opportunities he's explored over the years. Some he still has, and some he's since sold. And I encourage you to take note of the opportunity mindset that comes so naturally to Chant in case you're looking for inspiration to start your first or next venture. Okay, let's dive in. Yep, I did lawn care landscaping and then photography. Photography came when we had our first boy. Growing up, I never had pictures, you know, as a kid. And so I knew that when my kids grew up, I wanted pictures for them and for us. I couldn't afford professional pictures. I told Amy, I said, okay, instead of spending two, $300 to get pictures taken one time, I'm going to go to Walmart. I got myself a Canon, and it was a good $600 starter camera. Next thing you know, I'm getting good at photography. And I said, okay, how am I going to pay for this camera? I bought it with 600 but somebody's got to pay for it, right? And so there I started the business. I made a few thousand dollars doing my first photography shoot. I remember my first photo shoot was a baby. And so that was it. Next thing you know, I was doing weddings, senior pictures, family pictures, and all that. And we got into the laundromat. The landscaping lawn care grew, and we didn't have no location or spot at our home. I told Amy, I saw an ad in our local newspaper, laundromat for sale. We, they got a 30 by 20 shed. And I said, I want the shed. I don't want the laundromat. Let's see if we can just buy the shed. We were living paycheck to paycheck. And we had, I think, $250 in savings. And we were down to the pennies on our checking. I go into the bank. Amy goes, you're going to go in and ask him for money? And we don't have any money? I said, I'm going to try it. I did my due diligence. I looked at the numbers on the laundromat and stuff, what it was bringing in and if it could cash flow to pay for itself and all this, right? I pitched it to the bank. He goes, Sean, you need 30% of the value or what they're asking. I said, okay, geez, that's a lot of money. I still didn't give up. I went back and I said, what can we do? The banker that I was working with, he taught me how to negotiate the deal with the owner to make it work. Next thing you know, we own a laundromat and I had to learn quick to how to operate it. All I knew was his cash flowing, going to make the payments because we weren't depending on payments for the laundromat. And I just wanted the shop. That's it. And so, yeah, for eight years, we ran this laundromat. So That's crazy. And then then bait shop, phone repair business, again, out of necessity. (laughs) Yep. The bait shop was, I love fishing, right? And the bait shop owner, he was getting old and he was uh, elderly and he was selling out the business. He was just selling the bait on an honor system where people drove through his alley and 
middle of the night to whenever. It was open 24-7, and he'd have a drop box there with to stick your money in. So I said, okay, I, I needed bait for fishing, you know. But at the same time, I was going to make money, and I didn't have to be there. After the bait shop was the phone repair, I'd run my phone over, you know, plowing it over and dropping blocks. I'd have to get a new phone every so often through the whole year. And phone insurance only covers three times for repair. So I fixed the phone in the garage and it clicked. I said, I'm not the only guy who has this problem. So I started that business and we ran it out of the shop that we're, I'm sitting in right now for four years. We had schools account. We we're fixing iPads. So that's how, that's how that came about. And did entrepreneurship always feel natural to you or is that something that just starting your first business or even your mentor kind of brought out in you? I think Roger brought it out in me. I always had that desire to do things and create things, but I was too blinded, I think, in the drinking and the drug use. And then I think Roger brought that out. And next thing you know, once you light the fire, the fire doesn't stop. And still burning. Yeah, it just burns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you started your business in 2008. You've clearly done a ton of stuff since then. What's your focus been for the last couple of years? My focus is to get a team, build a team that I can trust and to help me execute the vision that we have. And what is that vision? I want more people. I want more staff and just help as much people as we can. You know, no matter if it's uh, going out doing the landscape work or education, just get connected with people. So you want to build a team you can trust. I know a lot of entrepreneurs grapple with this. And can you maybe talk to us about how you are delegating to your employees and, and learning to trust them so you can eventually build that team? I've learned how to delegate because of Roger. Roger trusted me enough to do what he would do. He had the patience to teach me. So I brought that into my business. The way that he taught me and was patient with me is the same way that I look at everybody that we hire I don't care if you don't know how to operate anything or don't know, you don't have any skills, but we will teach you. And if you're teachable, it's, it's very easy to delegate and to trust. What's your one piece of advice you'd give a business owner who's struggling with that and who wants to hold on to everything? You have to let go. Start with a little. You don't have to give it all. Start with a little and build. Build on that. It's hard because we all want it our way. But as long as the same result comes out of the end of the project or the job, and if an employee has a better way of doing things, that's great. In the last two, two to three years, I think you've, you've grown the business, you've expanded, you're, you're busier than ever. You said you're, you're, you're working mm -hmm. on your busiest spring of all time. Any challenges in terms of success that you've had recently? Like we talked about early on, I have a lot of equipment. I've got a lot of expense. I got a lot of bills, right? Because we grew like three, two, two to three years. We've been growing constant, nonstop. And everything was good until this virus thing hit. And that's when it woke me up to say, okay, let's step back, Chan. Let's take care of a few things that we need to take care of in the business so that when stuff like this happens, were prepared for it. So it, it gave me that rude awakening of, man, my business could have disappeared. If we were out of work for another month, it would have just shut down just like that. It refired, it reignited some things that I need to correct in the business. Where's that fire now? Where are you directing it? 
oh man, I'm waking up every day. It's like my energy and my fire is like when I first started the business, as hungry as I was when I started the business. Because I think I got too complacent in the business. Everything's going good, but I was getting complacent. And this COVID thing just hit. And now I got the fire where I'm, I'm still working at, like, when everybody leaves, I don't get home till 10 o'clock at night. Then you wake up early, you repeat, and working Saturday, Sundays. I want to get to a position where nothing can take the business down. That's where I want to get to. We like to, to finish with two questions. So first, what advice would you give yourself back in 2008 on the first day of starting your lawn care business and knocking on those doors? I'd say don't be afraid of whatever happens, the rejections, the fear. Feel those feelings. Whatever feeling you have at that moment, feel those feelings, but don't take it personal. And never back down, you know, never back down. And learn how to get comfortable in your own skin. And what advice do you need to give yourself today? Enjoy the process and remember why I started all of this. You know, sometimes I get lost in what's happening and forget like what we have now. I'm always reaching for the bigger trophy, right? And the trophy's already here. Trophy's already here. It's just, you know, just got to enjoy that. Thank you, John. That was, uh, I'm, that was inspiring. So we'll definitely need to, to keep in touch and see what business you start next. Oh, yeah. That was Chant Singvongsa. If you want to connect with Chant, look up Chant's Daily Hustle on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We hope you're enjoying season one of Built by You. And we wanted to give a shout out to another leader in the lawn maintenance space, Jason Creel. You can find hours of instructional videos on his YouTube channel, Lawn Care Life. Thank you for supporting the people who support us. If you liked today's episode, we'd appreciate it if you left us a review and we hope you'll hit subscribe or visit getjobber.com slash podcast to hear from more entrepreneurs like Chop. Thanks for listening. I'm Nick Keiko and this is Built by You.